Life's a Mitch. G'day, guys. Welcome back to episode oh, 51 of Life's a Mitch podcast. So, mm-hmm. Mick, powering through them now. And uh, so, if you cast your minds back, or oh, by the time this is released, probably about oh, five or six weeks, I spoke to Glenn, one of the hosts of This Week in League. And, you know, apart from being an absolute buffhead, we made some pretty good content. So, uh, yeah, we um, we had a good laugh. And if you want to go back, have a listen to that episode and um, check out This Week in League podcast as well. If you're a fan of rugby league, you must do it. And um, I, t- I told a story of when I went up to Magic Round up in Brisbane, which is like where all the teams culminate uh, for the round in one city and play all the games in one spot. And it was cool because I got to meet some of the guys – uh, like that are part of this week in leagues community. That's like, so some of the fans of the podcast say, eh? and I got chatting to some interesting people and my next guest, uh, we started chatting and I realized that he has got quite the story to share. So he starts chatting and he uh, drops the, uh, drops the bombs. Like, Oh yeah, just got a cheeky daytime Emmy and some actor awards as well. Some very prestigious Australian screen screen guild awards. And, you know, and he's worked on some incredible projects. So he is a sound mixer. He is a sound designer. He's worked on many projects, including but not limited to things like The Great Gatsby, Mad Max Fury Road, The Lego Movie. I mean, I could go on, you know, plenty of series, plenty of movies. And um, I just would like to int- introduce Mr. Sam Haywood. How are you today, sir? Good. Thanks, Mitch. How are you? Yeah, good, man. Good. I hope I sort of did you some justice in uh, in that introduction. I I, I'm just looking at uh, at your IMDb here, and my goodness, what a list of bona fides. How do you get time for all this stuff? It's nuts. Oh, it's uh, you, you were very generous, I've got to say. I, I actually haven't won any actor awards yet. Um, oh. Well, I say, well, I haven't won an actor award. Uh, so I've, I've been nominated for a couple, but uh, yeah, that, that one's that one slipped, slipped from, from, my, uh, from my grasp so far. Oh, I got my I got my acronyms wrong. I do apologize. That's all right. I got yeah, that's all right. They're all, they're, it, Seinfeld was right about um, awards. Every every fucking real estate agent has an award in their window. And they don't really. <laughs> but you've got Australian Screen Guild awards. You've got a daytime Emmy award. Like, congrats, man. That's so awesome. Thank you. Um, and we'll talk it about was... that. Talk about that yeah. soon if you want. But sure. I, I was just gonna say, like, so you know, in, in you know, as a sound engineer, as a as a, as a recording mixer and a sound designer, I was just curious for you, where did this journey start and what made you go, you know what, I'm going to get invested in sound. That's the career for me. Um, well, I, I always played, um, not always, I played guitar since, since I was 13. And um, uh, I, I, I started a, I started doing civil engineering straight out of high school, but fucking hated it and um, dropped out. <laughs> And, and smoked too much weed and was just bludging around um, working at Woolies and stuff. And then I kind of realized I needed to get my shit together. And one day I was at um, in the news agency picking up uh, my Rolling Stone magazines. It was probably Ralph. But um, and <laughs> I, I, saw, I saw that there was this big, thick TAFE handbook with all the courses that they offer, um, big yellow, thick, TAFE handbook and I thought oh I'll give it a go and I bought that as well and I was just flicking through it and um, I saw they had a music performance certificate three and four and so I thought oh I'll go for that and um, and so I, I applied for that and I got into it which I was really stoked for because I actually um, 
I actually was quite sick at the time as well with Crohn's and I, I had a that's surgery. Right. We, we spoke yeah, about Crohn's. Yeah, that's right. I, oh, sorry. I forgot about that. Yeah, we have crony buddies. Mm, a couple of cronies. Yeah, no. oh, sorry, oh, that really slipped my mind. No, that's cool. That's good that it slipped your mind. It's good that that's not that's not what we're defined by. But um, mm. I had surgery just before the course started. Um, well, before I actually was accepted, and then I was I, I got the news I was accepted into the certificate three and four TAFE course. Um, and and just after my surgery and that was that was uplifting news and the first three months i had i actually had an ileostomy bag which got reversed thankfully mm. uh, but uh um that course was really good and there was a really great teacher there called scott saunders and he um he was in a band called dig in in the 90s and um he introduced me to the software Pro Tools, which I immediately fell in love with and thought, this is fantastic. You can do so much stuff with this. And so following the certificate three and four in music performance, I enrolled in um, a music diploma, uh, music production diploma at North Sydney TAFE, with, um, which was awesome with um, Peter Gage and um, Stephen Murphy and Craig Calhoun and Tony Murtar teaching. And, um, and that was really great. You learn the kind of basics of sound, you know, music production. And there was one uh, element of that, which was sound for film, which I, I really dug as well. And so Stephen Murphy um, said to me towards the end of that course, oh, I've got a friend who's looking for an assistant. And I went for the interview with that job at Film Sound with Phil Judd and, and I got that job and, and it kind of just went from there. So I kind of just fell into it just from, um, you know, it all started with me buying dirty magazines. <laughs> well, you know what? Who says Ralph Who doesn't says pay? Ralph hey? doesn't the gift pay. That <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So like, okay, so you start your, you start your, your courses and, you know, you, you, you know, you just listed some names that, uh, are probably synonymous in the sound entertainment industry. And, um, so, you know, you finish your course, you know, so for those of you who are unaware, TAFE, uh, international listeners, TAFE's kind of like a, I guess you call it a tech college. Um, yep. So you learn technical skills everywhere from, you know, various trades to obviously sound engineering to, you know, any career that you want, basically. It's a great sort of resource to use here if you're in yeah, Australia. Mechanics and, um, also. Yeah, mechanics. I, um, I studied um, civil uh, construction there. Yeah, I was a, a roadworking trainee uh, many moons ago when I had hair and and I was young and vibrant and um you know you're still it, vibrant mate oh I'm actually only eight years old this is how shift working ages a man it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's oh dear <laughs> <laughs> so so you, so you finished and then how did you get involved in the entertainment industry and how did sort of how did what was the one of the first projects you worked on and how did those avenues sort of open up for you? Um, well, yeah, so Steve, Steve Murphy got me the interview with Juddy and I know Peter Gage put a good word in for me as well. And um, that was real, real lucky. And so Film Sound was one of the sort of three or four um, feature film mixing facilities in Sydney at the time. And um, and Phil Judd is an absolute legend of Australian film sound um so I couldn't have had a better start yeah. um 
and and a lot of amazing amazing um sound sound people and and films came through film sound so my job there was the assistant was to you know water the plants and make sure there was milk in the fridge and get everybody coffees and and then also like the first kind of bit of work i got was um to cut foley for um for for the films that were going through there so the foley would be performed by a foley artist recorded in off-site in another place um and then and then we'd get the files and i'd, I'd cut it so it was sort of super frame accurate to the to the film and to the sync um to the production sound and um that's how i started so but the, the first feature film i worked on there was called suburban mayhem with emily barclay yep. um that's a that's a it's a perler of a film um and and i worked on a bunch of bunch of films there and 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 tv series twisted tale two twisted uh, by brian brown and um my first kind of big break there i guess was um a fella came in with a documentary about cuttlefish to to um that he needed some sound design and a mix on and he didn't i don't think he had a lot of money so phil said yeah we'll do it but um you know sam will do it for you and and gave you know he trusted me to um to do the job and and i i really kind of dove in head first and, and went really hard on this documentary about cuttlefish and 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 i did i i was really happy with the job and um and that got that was my first that got nominated for an afi award in 2007 for best sound in a documentary which i was stoked about got yeah, to go down to, yeah it got to go down to melbourne to the awards and and uh with my then wife and and rub shoulders with all the uh with all the with all the celebrities and yeah that was that was awesome and then um shortly after you know uh, about a year or shortly after that um my time at film sound came to an end uh for yeah for um it, it was sort of quietening down a little bit but also i kind of was ready to move on and um so i left and became freelance and was cutting some you know soapy stuff at home and working on i worked on it worked on this show called uh there was four it was a four episode show called love you's all and it was sort of a it was sort of meet the osbournes but um um jeff fenix family and really and it was it was yeah it was it, but it was a really super fast turnaround um like i'd get the i got the omf from the editor like all of the sound from the picture editor in the morning and i had to cut the sound and mix it by five o'clock that day that and then it would then then it went to fox or i think it was fox and was aired that night it was very very quick turnaround which was good training but um that was that was cool and then um shortly after that i um uh, a guy i worked with angus robertson who's one of my one of one of my very um a big big influence and mentor in my life who um he gave me he, he he asked if I'd be interested in helping out working on Australia at Stage One Sound, which was this amazing facility that he'd built. He'd helped build at Deluxe in Lane Cove, as in the Baz Luhrmann film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So the Baz Luhrmann film. So um, there was a there's a facility out in sorry 
Yeah. I'm very embarrassed. My mic keeps falling. So as a, as a sound professional, this is incredibly <laughs> embarrassing. I'm just going to adjust my mic stand. Sorry. That's good. Why are you doing that? I, I was just going to ask you, like, so, look, I, I assume that mixing sound, doing the folly editing, I mean, obviously, I've had very, very brief introduction to doing podcasts. And if it's one thing I've come to know, it's that it, it must be very time consuming and you have to have an incredible like I like detail like you like you have to have like on point yet yeah, you have you couldn't like you have to cross the t's dot all the i's you have to be very like on top of everything is that right yeah it is yeah you have to um it is very detail on a it's it's sort of you just got to have the ability to kind of do sort of minuscule tasks over and over and over again for yeah that's pretty much it like and and um and 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 it's a it's a real kind of combination of engineering, so to speak, and um, but also creativity as well. So you kind of I kind of see it like in terms of the film and the crew, which is a massive crew. I, I kind of see us as sort of it's it's the sound design sort of the creative and, and mixing is very creative as well, but there's also a tradey like element to it a little bit. Like you kind of just got to get the work done um, yeah. to the, to the, to the, to the boss's specifications. Who's the director um, films are benevolent dictatorships and the director is the dictator and you do what they, you do what they want. You got to pull off what they want. Was Baz sort of pretty like a fair guy or was he sort of like ruthless or what kind of director was well, he? <laughs> well those films that i got to work on at stage one so at stage one was a hundred percent technical my job so i was re-recording engineer there so my job was to to queue up all the sessions take take the editor sessions and feed them into the big neve desk ready for the mixes and and we had some amazing mixes come through there um andy nelson and anna Belma mixed australia both incredible a plus mixes and um which was great to watch it was awesome experience for me to watch but my job was just to make sure that they came in and sat down and hit play and and it all worked um and uh so 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 i wasn't creative and didn't have that creative stress that that you have as a mixer or um sound designer Yep. on those jobs on those big films on any of those big films at stage one um baz baz is amazing he's he's a he's a legend so i he, he's the kind of guy that anybody who works for him will will you know would 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 die for him just about he's he's really he's got an incredible ear um for music specifically um and yeah, he and he remembers everyone's name. He's he's a lovely, lovely guy. I really, I really have a lot of time for Baz. That's cool because you hear like of some directors being assholes, or um, yeah, you hear of like just arrogant people. I, I recently did an interview with uh, one of the production coordinators on the Scrub Show, oh, and, yeah? he was, and he was telling me that um, like his start was like. Uh, he he got a, he he graduated in production design and whatever else, and he started off as the coffee guy. Uh, yep. And uh, he said that you know some of the he's gone on to do movies and stuff, and he said that you know some directors are egotistical, 
you know, ridiculous deadline, sort of arrogant sort of personas. So I, um, well, well, all directors are egotistical. You have to be, <laughs> you have to be, but yeah. that's not a bad thing um, at all. Uh, they're just, but they're like, they're, they're just in, they're in, they're in charge. They just have to be, they have to be, they have to demand, you know, and like the thing is, if I work on a film and the director wants it a certain way, um, it's on, it's on them, yeah. you know, like, okay. like it's, 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 they're going to live and buy, they're going to live and die by all of the decisions that they make, you know, and, and I'll move on to the next film and they might direct one film every four years or they might only get one shot at it. And, but I, you know, we get to, I, luckily I get to move on to the next film, hopefully, but it's, it's just not the same amount of investment for us. So, well, like we, we invest in it, but the, the director's, it's their baby. Like it's, and I could, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Like I have so much respect for, for directors because, because it's just the most stressful job I could imagine. I couldn't yeah. imagine how, how much stress they get under. Well, you get, you know, some productions are what a hundred million dollar plus and, you know, they're in charge of everything. So you know, it makes you, yeah. it makes you um sort of, when you put it like that, it's nice to hear an insider's perspective. Um, just in regards to next question is, what are some of the key differences from working from film to a, a series or a documentary? Like, uh, you know, you got, I would assume that some of the documentaries you worked on are a lot more, um, a lot more uh, cinematics to go through, a lot more footage to go through. So what are the, some of the key differences of sound mixing on a series as opposed to a movie or a documentary or something like that? Uh, well, it's, it's time mostly. Um, the time that you get so you can on a documentary you won't have the same amount of time to track lay or mix it and so you won't have as many tracks and also with a doco you want to keep it a little bit real um you might have some 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 sound like you might have some arty design elements in it um and and you want to enhance stuff and and you're kind of going for mood but it's just time and budget. So um, that's it. Whereas, so a feature film will have hundreds and hundreds of tracks and nowadays even thousands of tracks that you, that you mix. Um, and, and docos just won't have, won't have that level of detail that the feature films, the level of detail that goes into the soundtrack of a feature film is incredible. And, um, and, and, and it, TV, TV is certainly getting there. But it's not, it's not the same. It's okay. not the same. Yeah. Fair enough. So what, um, you know, just going through, like, I'm just, like, I've got a big list of things in front of me here and I'll just read out some of the bigger, like well-known ones that, I, that I'm familiar with, some of the projects. So you yeah. got, you know, the animated Happy Feet, incredible film. Yep. yep. Uh, you've got, um, so we went over Australia, also another big film. You've got, uh, what else we got here? The Lego movie. So that was, that was awesome. And, you know, things like Mad Max Fury Road um, and uh, The Great Gatsby. So what was it like sort of being part of a team working on some of these massive, massive projects? Do you, do you when you get a chance to finally watch it, do you sit back and go, you know what, I was part of that? Yeah, for sure. It's, cool. it's, it's a real, there is a real, being a part of the, the team is, is the biggest, is, 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 it's sort of the most fulfilling part of it. Um, 
It's funny, yeah. All of those, like a lot of those films, um, I think all of those films you just listed were uh, sound supervised by a guy named Wayne Pashley, who's who really. Um, I mean, I wasn't when I, I I worked on Happy Feet one very minimally at Film Sound, um, and and was lucky enough to get a credit. I mean, I did I did work on it, but um, Wayne really solidify i was probably to be honest at a little bit of a crossroads even in my career in the film industry there whether i wanted to go on with it or not and when i met wayne came in he was so enthusiastic about it and he had such amazing energy that he that was the moment i remember the moment when he was describing how he wanted the crowds to sound to to me and um, my boss phil that was the moment when I was like, yeah, uh, this is, this is the, this is where I want to stay. And, um, and I credit that moment and Wayne, Wayne's unbridled enthusiasm for me wanting to, um, wanting to stay in the film industry. Um, and talking about from a team's perspective with the bigger film with, so moving on to like Australia, which is a real slog. We, you know, that was, that was months, months of mixing and, and, and quite stressful. And, you know, towards the end um, we didn't finish the mix until like quite, quite late at night um, on a Saturday night. And then we had to print master it. Then it was being released um and and premiering not long after that and 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 it was it was a real thrill to kind of um go through that but the team you 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 do you it's it's really weird you kind of form these really close bonds sort of in this team over a relatively short amount of time and then everyone moves on to different projects a lot of the time there are a lot of crews that stay pretty much tight with each other, but for the most part, a lot of the, the you split up and then you might not see again each other. You know, might, you might not see someone from that crew again for another couple of years until you get onto another job with them. You know, and um, you know, that, that, that bond comes straight back, but it is a really, it's a really interesting, intense kind of uh, experience to have with people. And then, and then not see them again for a while mm. necessarily. I remember so, some of the people I've spoken to in the entertainment industry, you know, I've spoken to comedians, actors, um, Jared, the production assistant, um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I've just, you know, a handful of people. And the one common thing, and you just touched on it as well, is that, you know, you get a chance to work with a, like a lot of different crews, a lot of different casts and people. And uh, I just wanted to ask you this because a few answers have been different when you get a chance to work with a wide range of people, do you think that helps in ultimately being successful? Do you think that if you get a chance to network yourself around a bit more and then by doing so have a chance to spin more plates, do you think that's one key thing to being successful in the entertainment industry or what's your take on that? Uh, for sure. Uh, let me, didn't you interview the Scrubs guys? Like not the production assistant. When are you involved? Wasn't there uh, so, something? The okay. So guys? the story goes, I, I had... I appeared oh, on. Light up. I, I I appeared on uh, Fake Doctors, so I appeared on their podcast. So what happened was oh, that's uh, dope, man. 
I, I, you take it back to when I was on Mastermind, the TV show, I wore that Scrubs onesie. Yeah. And the onesie was Fake Doctors, Real Friends. So it was their podcast. And someone tagged me on Instagram and tagged Zach Braff, Donald Faison, Turk and JD, and Joel and Daniel, the producers of the show. So they work for iHeart. Joel reached out to my Instagram and so did Donald Faison the next day and they asked me to appear on their podcast. Yep. So, you know, gone on there and I made professional comedic actors laugh for a good 20, 25 minutes. Either I was charming or they felt very sorry for me. Either way, I'll take it. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, no, I just, so they let me uh, promote the, my podcast and for a good oh, three or four weeks, I actually topped the charts in the leisure category in Australia, the UK and the US. That's amazing. And it that's was great. Uh, thanks, man. And, and it's, um, so that's where that starts from. And you, uh, fast forward, probably about two months, there's a fake doctor's real friends, like Facebook page, 15,000 followers. And uh, one of the production assistants, Jared jumped on there and said, Hey guys, you know, I've made a few cameos and I just seized the opportunity. I, I messaged him and said, Hey man, look, you might know me. I was on the show. Would you, is there any chance you'd like to do a podcast? And he's like, you know what, man, that'd be great. Us guys who do behind the scenes stuff don't often get a chance to share our story. And Jared was really nice. Like he, he was on the series Scrubs for eight years. He's he's now a uh, like a safety consultant for Disney, and he's worked on things like Cougar Town. He's worked on Garden State, just to name a few of the. And it, all that all came down to meeting Zach Braff and you know and Bill Lawrence, the creator of Scrubs. And from there, he's now leading a, a team in Disney. So. It, it was interesting to hear his story and, you know, to hear yours because um, you've gone on to do, to not only mix, but you've also been a, a, a supervisor in some of these roles as well. So as we're moving along, I just wanted to know, like, how was it stepping up into a supervisory role and how did you find doing that? Uh, I like it. Um, well, I do. I, I kind of, it's, it's difficult. So I haven't really, well, so, sorry. I supervised uh, Beatbugs and uh, Motown Magic, um, which were two kids series that went for, um, Beatbugs went for three seasons of 52 episodes each and uh, Motown only had the- 52 two. episodes? How long, how long were the yeah, episodes? Wow. Only like 10, they're like 10 minute episodes. So, and they, and Netflix, um, Group them together the first season so there were two so there were probably only 26 per season i think um yeah. what was it that i don't know i can't even remember there was a lot of fucking episodes to mix <laughs> um but um i sort of it's not it's it was supervising that was really kind of originally that that was meant to be just a small job that that i would pretty much do by myself and then um uh the it it the 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 ambition of the director josh wakeley um was was much larger than what deluxe anticipated when they quoted on it um and and threw threw it to me so it ended up by necessity being um you know needing to be crewed up and i sort of became the supervisor that way um by osmosis i guess if that's the right word to use and so jared the first person to come on was was um jared dwyer who's an incredible sound designer um Mm. far more talented than me in sound design and 
And um, so I'd done the first bunch of eps as animatics and and sort of laid the 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 template out and then he kind of took it and then we worked together really well um and and he took it and then made it even even more amazing um and so then and we needed a bunch of other people to to help out to get it over the line um but then i knew when when they i i was made redundant from deluxe because they downsized all of their creative services and pretty much got rid of any any kind of creative type people um and which was fine because i was ready to leave anyway and i got a nice redundancy um but then nice. motown motown was coming up and um i knew i, I, want, I needed jared on it or wanted jared on it and um he came on that as well and along with alex alex uh, alex birch who's a legend as well and um and and we we did that together and and i i do i did i did enjoy supervising that i'm not good in terms of kind of uh what's the what's the like um paperwork and stuff like that well the administrative the administrative administrative i'm terrible at yeah um and so uh, Will Ward came across to Beyond to help out as sort of a post supervisor, which filled that um, that role. And he's he, Will Ward's another amazing sound designer who who's who's had a massive influence on my career. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, so I how I approached the sound supervision was more kind of I tried to I tried to build a team and kind of and and give them uh just the um how's, how can i put this bit of free reign to do what they do so, yeah. free reign but also just the confidence and 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 kind of the, the motivation i kind of saw it as like like a coach kind of thing a little bit like yeah just the motivation and and the free reign but and and kind of and the pride in the work—that's kind of how I approached it. I didn't want anyone working on it, or or to to kind of think that's good enough. Even though the schedule was really tight and got tighter and tighter as as we went along, because animation is really tough, and um, often you don't get you know finished animation until very very late, if at all, and it's it can be quite stressful, and and the schedules got pretty silly. But um, through no fault of anyone, just kind of deadlines and and all that. Um, but I just wanted to 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 make sure that everyone felt like that um, they got the credit that was their due, and 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 that they 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 had a pride in the work. That's kind of how I look at it. Supervision now, supervising a feature film feature films is something that you know i i wouldn't mind doing but i'm kind of more happy just being creative with it and then mixing as well um mixing is kind of a different thing altogether uh and and i probably enjoy mixing the most fair enough so just um before i ask you some of the differences um obviously i'll just go back to beat bugs for a sec Clearly, whatever the whatever style you were doing works because you know just behind your left shoulder there, 
you know, that cheeky little show that you just described won various awards and you won a daytime Emmy for outstanding sound editing for a preschool. Uh, mixing. Sound mixing, is it? Yep. Okay. Well, IMDb's throwing me a, throwing me a Well, it, it's, it's <laughs> been, it's been, uh, it was nominated for sound editing and sound mixing three years in a row. So we got, we had six nominations for sounds for that show. Congrats, man. That's awesome. So whatever you were doing there was working. So like, you know, just behind your left shoulder there, you've achieved what one of the industry's highest accolades. So congrats, man. And, you know, and you won uh, ASAWSG awards as well. And I'm not going to be- start to begin to imagine to know what they all are, but what was it like to sort of see your name come up or to see the series or the team come up to be nominated for like Emmys? Like that's got to be a pretty cool, like <laughs> knock to the confidence. So it was amazing. It was, a, well, I knew, I knew that like, I think <laughs> this is humble brag, some, man. Go for it. You're baller. No, 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 no. <laughs> like I do think, I do think in Australia, we're very good at punching above our weight. And I was determined for the show to be at, at a world-class standard. And that's all I wanted. And when it was first nominated for sound editing and sound mixing, I was stoked that just to get that recognition that yes, we're we're um, we're punching above our weight. We've we've got a much smaller crew than than a lot of the other shows we're up against, and 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 I was just really stoked that we we um, that we were recognised that way. Um, it's pretty funny. Uh, I had we got nominated, and I think I had. I had two weeks to organize my um, visa, my ESTA, to get into America. And I logged on. I logged on to get my ESTA. And one of the questions was, have you ever um, gotten in trouble for, uh, for uh, illegal drug, drugs or anything like that? And, and, and I, look, when I, before, when I was 19, um, I was, I got in a bit of trouble for, I was only for, 19. <laughs> exactly. For, for, for some, um, some marijuana related, um, offenses. And, um, and that threw a little bit of a spanner into work. So I had to get, um, a special, I had to get, um, permission. I had to go into the U S consulate in the, in, in the, in the city, and I gave them my passport and I had to have an interview and ask for special permission. And they gave me, they gave me a five-year visa um, to go over for the awards. And um, that was very stressful. And I didn't get my passport back from them until the day before my flight for the, for the, for those first Emmy awards. And luckily it was, and luckily it was a five-year visa because we were nominated the next two years as well. Um, And then, but every time I, I went over there, they look at my passport and something must come up on their little screens and I get sent to the naughty room for like <laughs> at least at least 45 minutes to an hour an hour and a half each time I go into America to um to um to get into the country but thankfully they you know that it's it, it hasn't been too much of a problem so far and and uh and I'm very grateful that I had the opportunity to go and experience um those awards because because it was great especially i actually my favorite year was the first year when me and jared went over and um and 
that was that was really special that year yeah that's cool but it's i find that kind of sort of like almost funny because you know it's, it's legalized now and you wouldn't think it's it's an issue yeah uh, well the first first two years there was like all the medical cards going around and then that third year was when it was totally fully legal and um yeah that, <laughs> yeah it was good that's cool so you know you so you work for netflix you know you've worked for some incredible incredible like studios as well what are some of the more like smaller projects or what some would be deemed independent like projects that you've worked on that you're really proud of like some that people might not be familiar with uh the the ones that come into my mind straight away are um there's a film called there's three three that come into mind straight away there's a film called tumula which i worked on um which is uh directed by a guy named ivan sen who's an absolute virtuoso of a filmmaker and that was just a um little film feature film he directed in a small town in northern new south wales called tumula um and uh that and 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 so he had he, he did he directed it he shot it he cut it he did the music and he cut all the sound effects himself and he oh, came wow. into he came into stage one with this film and um and i think i had um like eight days to mix it and and me and him sat in a big room um the big big theater one at stage one and we mixed that over eight days together and i'm very that's a really, really powerful film. Um, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, it sounds pretty raw because, because, you know, it was, it was shot and cut together by one dude and mixed in a week, which, which is very quick. He sounds talented, um, this dude. He's amazing. He's amazing. And, and then, and the, um, I, I then got to mix another film he directed called Goldstone and, um, which is another, which, um, uh tom keller did the sound design for he's he's a legend up there in brisbane and um that was that was another film that comes to mind straight away and probably and then and then the other film that comes into mind straight away was a film i mixed and did the sound design for very like recently a couple of years ago called baby teeth which um is an incredibly powerful film directed by shannon murphy um I really, I really love that film and I love that process. And I was, she, I was very challenged on that film in what, um, what the director was going for, but, um, but I, I'm, she was right. And uh, as all directors are and, but genuinely right. And what, what came out is a very, it's, it's, it's a subtle, but it's a very, very unique mix that would not be to everyone's taste, but, I read something. I heard something the other day, and um, if you're making art that everybody likes, you're not like you, you you're not doing it right. You've yeah. got to make stuff that um, some people don't like. So th- th- those are the three. Those are the three that really come to mind. That's cool. Immediate, immediately, but like if you're making some sort of art, you know, you're making it for the people who want to ingest. You can't always, you know, you can't always um, appreciate. You can't always like make everyone love what you do. Otherwise, what's the point? You know, no, like, you can't. No. Even even Marvel films, which are fairly, you know, there's there's people who don't like Marvel films, so and that's fair enough. Like, so a certain, a certain uh, podcasting host that we both know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
He's very anti-Marvel I, films. <laughs> I'm sure. I reckon. I reckon he's got a secret stash somewhere. Maybe. Um, yeah. Actually, sort of side venture away from from that. We'll come back to sort of what you're working on now and stuff in shortly. But just going to ask you your connection to rugby league. How did you get involved in the Twill community? And for those listening out there, who's your team? Uh, I'm a Tigers fan, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just I think I might have gotten into an argument with Nate or something. I can't remember on on, <laughs> on Twitter years and years and years ago. Um, and uh, and but then he's you know he's he's a he's a legend and a uh, good bloke and and yeah I I just got into the I really dig the community aspect of Twill. It's it's really it's really like that you know it's a pretty raw podcast and 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 we all we all have a it's it's very funny and we all have a laugh but it's actually it's a really um significant and important community of people who um who 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 have become some of my best friends yeah. and um have have all you know some of them have really supported me through some tough times and and uh yeah i love it it was one thing i got out of it out of the, some of the guys I met. So like, obviously yourself uh, mentioned last episode with, with Glenn, but you know, like Norts, um, Grover, like super nice guy. Um, you know, your Mike Stevenson's, you know, just these couple of guys and plus more people that I struggling to think of the name of right now. But like the one thing I it had been my first time to a gap to a meetup. So they generally have two a year. And I was made to feel immediately welcome. Like I was there by myself originally and Norts, I, he, he, he had a room I could uh, like have while I was up there. Oh, watch out. So, um, so he had, Norts a, had some stories. I don't know if I'd take a room from Norts. Oof, I, uh, I take much more from Norts. I can assure you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's cool. Like straight away, like I got off the train. He's like, I'll meet you at the front. So you know where you're going. Meets me in the street, cold beer in hand. I'm like, this dude's a legend. And we're talking footy straight away. We went straight to the – we got there at halftime for the Knights-Tigers game. And Is this a set, magic round? Yeah, magic for magic round. Yep. It's the only okay. sort of gathering I've been to. And then, yeah, we just started talking footy, talking um, – and just met – took Love and Rugby League. And then, you know, the next day I met yourself, uh, Grover. I met – I think I met – briefly I met Nate or Jay. One of them was there at the burger joint. And um, just from there, it turned into a sick weekend and Mike and Larzy and anyways, I could go on for days, but it was really cool. It so was when a you... fucking great weekend. Oh, I'd spent It was so, so good. I can't believe. Spent so much I money. cannot believe that Magic Round happened this year. With like, the dumpster just, fire that's going on the right now. dumpster fire that is 2021 and lockdowns. The fact we were allowed into Brisbane and, and it, a festival of footy. Um it was just incredible that that happened and I'm so stoked I went and um, I'm very grateful that, uh, that we could, we could do it. I got up there with biggest tiger who uh, everybody. Should is that biggest? Oh, is that biggest tiger? Okay. Yeah. I went up there with biggest tiger and uh, who everybody should listen to sports best friends. Um, another awesome rugby league podcast. He's the nicest guy in rugby league. Genuinely. And um, oh, is he like because I got I tried to do something nice for Glenn and I got shut down, so you know, apparently being the nice guy in the Twill community doesn't go very far. Oh, <laughs> seemingly, 
<laughs> I, oh, look, I don't know. Uh, big, big T has big T's big T's optimism and positivity, especially as a Tigers fan, is uh, pretty undeniable. That's got to be that's got to be like respected. I I'm a shark, so I I got no leg to stand on. So I'm not gonna sit here and try and bag you out because what's the How point? Do you, you're not from Newcastle then? I was born in Dubbo, raised in Newcastle. Well, the connection there is I, um, David Peachy and some of the players were doing a country rugby league, like schools, um, like kick, little kickers program. And I met him as a kid, absolute champion. And, you know, I, I just remember watching TV one day. I said, oh, that's the guy that was at school. And it was the same, like the game I was watching was where I forget whose hand he shook, but he, he had a try scored against him, shook his hand. I'm like, incredible sportsmanship. And I don't know, it just sort of resonated with the Sharks ever since. Like, you know, you, nice. you get caught on. Like, you know, every, you know it, growing up in a town where rugby league mad, like, you know, Newcastle grew up in the era of, you know, Super Super League had started and you had the Hunter Mariners and then you had the Knights. And then as things progressed, you know, it was a crazy time. You know, a, a very, 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 like, sorry, let me say that again. A very rugby league-based town, like, of not like Sydney, it's got a thousand and one teams and it was it was cool, but just something with the sharks just always resonated with me and it and nice. someone, and as the play, as as time went on, you know, I, I you know, you gravitate towards players. I love him, I hate him. I, I did like Gal and Jason Stevens and Nigel Vunganar and like these days, you know, your Toby Rudolphs and your Will Kennedy's as well, and obviously Wade Graham, but it's um, you know, you, you stick with your club and you like your club for a reason. So what yeah, yeah. when you're out of when you're not, you know, ingesting rugby league or mixing things like an absolute master, how do you like to find your spare time? What do you like to get up to when you're not in lockdown, of course? Um, oh, I don't know. I like, I like watching movies. I, I, um, I, I, when we're not in lockdown, I, I train jujitsu, which I really love. Um, I love, I love doing. And again, like, twill it's not just the like it's there's the community aspect of it i think i think i think we all need um community and and it's sort of we have to find it somewhere else that that we used to um that then then we used to like i guess we used to have small communities and street parties and churches and all sorts of stuff um that that is that me? Oh, that's mine. Sorry. Is, is that an iPhone alarm, is it? <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Oh, that's all right, mate. What was the question? I'm going to start again? Or? No, no, you're cool. I was just um, just asking some of your other fandoms. That's all. Um, that's yeah, I really like jiu-jitsu and, and, um, and, and but, you know, I have I have a daughter and my partner has three kids and they they take up a lot of time. And, oh, okay. um, yeah, and, and homeschooling must be crazy. Yeah, but 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 even you know outside of homeschooling and lockdown, um, you know, but it's by the end of the working week, and you know, it's there's there's not a lot of time for um for for extra activities really. But yeah, yeah. footy, jujitsu, um, I love I love music. I love listening to music, and um, I've just recently sort of thanks to Trent Slats, sort of, and uh, and my and my girlfriend Sarah who bought me the turntable. I've gotten gotten into vinyl, so that's a rabbit hole. That's a nerdy rabbit hole I've gotten down. And um, and also I love comics. I, I collect comics and read a lot I'm of a, comics. I'm a huge comic fan myself. I 
huge Neil Gaiman fan. Um, for oh, wow. Reason. Oh, I, I deep dive. I'm a yeah. huge DC fan. Uh, I love... Oh, yeah, uh, DC fan. I'm not, I never defined myself as DC or Marvel. Yeah. Um, like, I love Batman. Like, I love all the Batman classic comics and and uh, some and but and, and like hellblazer and stuff like um i follow kind of writers and artists more than the 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 characters yeah i, I guess I'm a, cool. i am a big de- i'm a big uh daredevil and punisher guy but um but kind of i kind of i like i like i like following the writers like garth ennis is the man and yes neil gaiman and yeah like alan alan moore and all those all those Awesome legends. That's good. I mean, love him or hate him. I did like Kevin Smith's run on Green Arrow. I thought that was really well. Oh done. yeah, I've got all that. I've got all. I actually um, sort of mostly got into Daredevil because he started writing Daredevil uh, when they did the Marvel Knights run, mm. and um, and I've got that whole series the the issues. And then when he did a um, he did a Jay and Silent Bob get old at the Opera House. I got tickets for the meet and greet and everything afterwards. Um, oh, that's mad! And um, everyone had pops of Kevin, or or like a Mallrats DVD or something. And I had my Daredevil number one. And he was oh, wow. he was very, he was very impressed when I put that in front of, in front of him to sign. He said, "This is this is this is worth a bit. It's worth even more now. Nice to meet you." And and like look. So you met, like you I met have, one of my idols. That's awesome, man. Oh, he's he's I love Kevin Smith. And you know, say what you want about him now. I love Kevin Smith. He just brings he, he does bring some like a lot of joy into the world and and uh and 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 his films sort of defined my adolescence to a degree. Yeah. Um, which you know, that's the kind of you know, the music that you the music that music and movies that you know were define your adolescence will always be a part of you and um and it's funny i have met some famous directors and actors in my life but i've never ever been more starstruck than i'm when i met when i met kev that's cool i'm a fan of the genre too so one of the reasons i started this podcast is because i'm an avid listener of kev's and he was doing he was one of the first people to get stuck into it i think he said sort of circa 07 and i the first podcast i've listened to was fat men on batman now it's fat man beyond and it's a pop culture podcast to him and a tv writer mark bernard yeah and um you know which i think don't think he gets enough credit he's an absolute champion guy and uh you know they've worked they recently put out a series motu on netflix the masters of the universe kev was the show i I enjoyed it i really uh, liked it i know i know it made everyone mad but i love it it was um it was it scratched me right in the childhood and i loved it and um Man, I could talk pop culture for, for hours. And I just, that was one of the things that got me into storytelling, like loving storytelling. Like you can lose yourself in in these characters. And I don't know, just, you know, an artist like Jim Lee, um, for example, like just capturing the escape. And I just like, I used to love to escape. Like, so the way, one of the reasons this podcast is also about storytelling, not only like because of the fandom and the, you know, the geek genre that I love is that I used to play a few video games as a kid, not, like your multiplayer ones, but like story, like RPG, like story, storytelling games, like your Zeldas, um, you know, like your Star Wars Knights of Republics, like things like this. And so that's where it all, that's where I loved it. So, you know, it's, it's helping me progress with this storytelling podcast. Um, so yeah, that's stories. Are, stories are important, man. Like you can't, I can't remember what the quote is exactly, but you can't, 
you cannot live through life based on your own experience. If you don't read, if you don't, if you don't read other people's stories, whether it's through comics or whatever, you, you just don't have you don't have enough life experience to, to really to really get get through it and understand it all, understand how what's all happening. And you never understand it all, but stories are super important. Um, well, since the dawn of time, like that's how information was passed down, like through the exactly. storytelling I mean, around the fire. Like, you know, you, we, would, we wouldn't be aware of such things like Troy or Pompeii or, you know, events in history that weren't told from generation to generation storytelling. So exactly the way I see it, I'm just a little Aussie bloke having a crack and uh, I'm enjoying it. Cheers, mate. Um, I thought, so we'll change it up for a bit. Um, so this podcast has two main sections. It's about storytelling, which you've been very, very kind as to sharing some of your time in the entertainment industry in this next part. So it's a section where I like to get people on. We have a good old whinge wide sook about whatever's ailing us. I was wondering, I was wondering, Sam, do you want to have a picture with Mitchie this week? Sure. I, 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 I'm, I'm ready. Sweet. So yeah, for listeners out there, the other, as you are aware, we get people on to have a good old whinge about whatever. So do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? To, so you think of something or. Why don't you go first? Okay. So, um, so this week I just did a um, recording wise. I just did an episode with one of my favorite singers, uh, Hayley Mary. Uh, she's a lead singer with Jezebel's. Go back and check out that episode. It's it was great, and I had to spend a lot of time um, putting things back together. Like I'd I'd ask a question, tend it off, and come back to it. She was she was super kind. Anyways, um, so what my bitch was is is um, how the brain can let you down sometimes, and we get on autopilot and we just subconsciously try to skip steps. Um, you know, people are cutting corners all the time. And when I was editing it, I was in the chair for about six hours because it just was just a pain in the butt. I, I didn't set her up very well at all. And I guess my bitch is um, that complacency that can happen and you just want to get something done. So you got a part of your brain going, fuck, I got to, I got to put this out. Fuck, you know, like I want to put this into the world. And the same part and the same brain's like, oh, fuck's sake, why did you, why'd you let me do that for? So, you know, just that my brain sometimes is just an absolute letdown. I don't know if you can relate or, and that and yeah, shit, dri- I, shit drivers, they also piss me off. <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad you slipped that in at the end there because I was getting very concerned that your bitchy with Mitchie was self-reflective and, 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 you know, talking about yourself. And I was starting to think, oh, fuck, if I complain about other people, then that's going to make me look bad. But um, yeah, no, I can definitely relate to that. Uh, it's it's really complacency, and um, is something that you do. It is hard to battle, especially kind of when you you get into a rut. And um, it's often it's often a good idea to kind of change things up every now and then for um different projects, so that so that you don't get complacent or just kind of go through the motions over and over again. Yep. So um, like. I've so I would imagine like say if you're mixing I don't know three or four different things and you got a passion project too, you're saying that like it's it doesn't have to all be business if you've got something that you you truly love and especially because like, more than half Australia is in lockdown right now and if you can have a way to feed your creative outlet or to feed 
something that you love, it keeps you sane. Is that kind of what you're saying? Uh, sort of. Uh, what, well, every film I work on um, or TV show or documentary, I try and make it better than the last thing I worked on in terms of the sound. And it's not always possible because of the schedules and also like I try, but also not every film you work on is, 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 is a great film necessarily, but you have to, you have to work on every film as if it's the best film you've ever worked on, as if it's going to be the best work you've ever, ever going to do, because it might be the last work you're ever going to do. And um, that's kind of how I approach every, every job. But there was a period where like I was just using the same techniques and the same template and the same plugins for a little bit, for a few films in a row. And um, I think I was getting a bit complacent. And um, and then I spoke to a few fellow mixers who I really respect and, and, um, and admire about what they do um, and, and to change things up or how, you know, what reverbs they use or whatever, anything. And, and, and I've, I've made a conscious decision now to, to use, you know, one thing different on each kind of mix, just to, just to, just to spice it up and make it, make it interesting. That's cool. And like, you've worked on so many things. Um, so what are you working on at the moment or, or future approach? Are you allowed to say, or like you got some, I'm working on, I, I, I don't know how much I can say, but I'll just say I, I'm working on uh, a film that will be on Netflix. Oh, nice. Sure. And, I, and I'm really, I'm really loving it. It's right up my alley. That's cool. So like. Um, gonna, uh, it's, it's, it's right up my alley. It's, it's really, it's really cool. That's cool. So if it's like a, a geeky rugby league film. <laughs> yeah. With people yeah, doing jujitsu. Pretty <laughs> legends too. Yeah. Oof. No, I, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd watch it because you'd worked on it. But I'd I'm watch like, it. I'm gonna go. That was alright. I like Footy Legends. I like it. That was a good movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't it, know. I, was, I've got a bitchy. I've got a bitchy with Mitchy. Let's hear it. Um. So the other day, I saw a thing on Instagram, and a guy was holding it. You know that dude who holds up the cardboard, holds up the cardboard signs. Yeah. In New York. Yeah, um, that hipster dude, and it said, and it said, STFU during the movie, and shut the fuck up during the movie, <laughs> and um, and that's my that's my and and I, fucking when people talk during the movie, it fucking pisses me off so much. Um, in the cinema, you know, like at where whatever at home or whatever, you know, but if you're at the cinema, but but what's worse is people looking at their phone. If I'm behind someone and they start looking at their phone now it's fine if they're checking their messages they might have a babysitter or whatever whatever that's fine but if i can tell if i see if that if that blue light glows in my peripheral vision and i glance over and i can see that they're scrolling through fucking facebook or instagram <laughs> it pisses me off so much it's like can't you fucking go an hour and a half two hours without looking at your social media feeds it, it really annoys me but having said that right now i would give anything to be pissed off by someone talking or looking at their phone in a movie cinema because because i miss it so fucking much i miss yeah. cinema i miss theaters so much like that 
and I and not just the big screen. It's not just the sound. It is the community. It is the it is the social aspect of it. That congregation of humans in a room to watch a story, like we would have done around a campfire with with some dude telling telling us about you know the mammoths that they killed or whatever. Nice throwback. Yeah, there's something about engaging in film with a bunch of strangers, which I think is is unique and significant and needs to be protected, and I fucking miss it. You know what? I couldn't agree with you more. Um, You know, it's funny how when a series of things change, you know, some idiot wants to be positive for coronavirus, go to a certain place and then, you know, hell is unleashed upon your city. And before you know it, you're in lockdown, you can't go anywhere but to work or to the shops and that's it. And these small things that we always took for granted, you can't currently do. And, you know, it's similar for me when I go to a, like a live music, a gig, or if you go to a, even a rugby league mat, you see people watching the whole game through their screens. Like, well, Mate, fair enough, take a quick video, text your mates, you're there, but people for long periods of time are filming a live game that's already going to be on TV. Yeah, be in the moment. Yeah, it's like, well, you're exactly right. Be in the moment, man. Like, And if you find yourself addicted to such things, then you know, go out and get some help because like, humans... And I, I have a problem with my phone. I definitely fucking spend too much on my phone, um, time on my phone, but... That conscious decision to walk into a theater and put it away or sit with your mates at the footy and, and like it's it's you're engaging in life without that fucking black mirror staring up at you. Yeah. Um is really it's really important. Um yeah. But but yeah, I just I miss I miss I miss the movies, man. I miss the movies and live music. I live music. I've got to say, I did drop off. I've dropped off in recent years. The last live event, live music thing I went to was, um, was a, a very, that um, I was, I got, I don't know if I can say who, but an, an incredible legend of the tool community um, got me tickets to see Hans Zimmer live at, oh. at, uh, at, at Homebush. And the, and was, you know, the movie nerd and you would love that. What a composer. Uh, the movie nerd, the music lover. It was just worlds colliding. It was amazing. It was, they were incredible seats. It was an incredible concert. Um, and uh, the MVC, former MVC of Tool Nation, uh, really excelled there. You know who you are. I love you. Um, yeah, and and that was, that was actually, I don't want to sound too too uh too much like a hippie but that was really life-affirming that concert i remember watching it and i i i'm worried i'm one of those i worry a lot about climate change and stuff and how how it's going to affect us in the mid term and um how it's going to affect my daughter in in her life and uh i remember consciously watching hans Zimmer and thinking fuck because a lot of the time you think oh humans suck people suck you know but watching that, I remember watching that concert, I thought, fuck, we're worth it. We are worth it. Some humans, humans are, humans are awesome. Humans are awesome. Like, this is so cool. Um, I could just watch, like, the live uh, cl- like the live clip or the live concert of Requiem for a Dream. I just sit there. 
enjoy the fuck out of it because composing, <laughs> really i probably could man like requiem for a dream yeah, mate, what a film what a great film man. oh my god what a great audio are you serious it's a could. fucking great film i've seen it I've, I, and it is an incredible film but i've only seen it once and i don't think well, if i it. if i yeah. sat down and, and, and watched the which is your favorite part the stage oh gee oh gee i don't know <laughs> i think um, i know <laughs> Probably you're probably right. Some things I'm not going to name either. So. Christ, that film is so full on, man. Oh my god! And, and that was that was like one of my Intense. top ten moments as a as like a young fella. I just yeah loved it. And uh, you know, and other how old were you? I'm 31 now. So what? When I first seen it? Whoa. Yeah, right. Early prime, early high school, maybe. Jesus Christ, bro! It was similar to like. Oh, you never try. You would never try smack after watching that movie, would you? No, I uh, I never did smack. I um. Oh yeah, I never, yeah, obviously, but but like that, a, if anything's gonna put you off, ever do it. Try it. Just like that movie would do it. It was um, I I can't believe I just admitted that, but you That's know, fine. just talking about like great composers and you know John Williamson as well, another absolute legend. Yeah. Um, yeah, John Williams. John Williams um, is the is what the I goat. say. Wait, no, Williams, not Williamson. Fucking hell, Mitch. No, that's all right. John Williams is the goat, but uh, and then Ennio Morricone is probably number two for me. Yeah, and then and then Hans is Hans is Hans is in there in the top three. That's cool. So you know, if people want to check out your work, obviously you got your own DB, or do you have like a if people like want to get in contact with you and run ideas from you, is there a way people can contact you? Or uh, I mean, I guess my my Instagram account they can follow and then DM me at, uh, at Showtown Sound on Instagram. Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll leave the correct spelling in the bio, and um, that's that's probably the best way uh, to to for, for to yeah to to get in touch or whatever and see see what I've done. <laughs> And um, yeah, ch- check out my IMDb, I guess. But uh, yeah, mostly I just facilitate. I just facilitate what the filmmaker wants. So it's like I get to play. I get. I'm very lucky that I I get to be a small part of their their vision. And um, yeah, it's just a it's a real privilege. So uh, you know, you know, before we we go out here, you know, you know, you've been generous enough to speak about your fandoms, uh, some of your bona fides. You know, and some of the keys to be successful in the industry. You know, so what's next? What are you, what what are your plans beyond twenty twenty two? Obviously, first we get out of lockdown. Um, um, but when you when you're a free man, what's the first thing that you want to do? I want to go to a movie. I want to see June. I'm stoked. Oh, how good uh, does that cast look? It looks amazing. Roland and Momoa alone, plus you know you've got half of Hollywood in it. Oh man. Yeah, and and look. Blade Runner 2049 was probably the one of the most epic cinematic films I've seen in the last 20 years, not directed by Christopher Nolan. And um and and the that mix, the mix for Blade Runner 2049 was just absolutely incredible. Uh uh Ron Bartlett and Doug Hempel mixed it. And in my opinion, they're the two, the two best, if not the best, two of the best mixes ever um and certainly going around today um and um i had the i had the i had the the great fortune of working with them on a film called uh the way back 
for um that Peter Weir directed. And um yeah, that that film, that that mix for 2049 was just blew me, it just blew me away. And then the, I'm sure Dune will 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 be the same again. And I have to watch it in a cinema because because I don't care how good your setup is at home. It's not the same. It's, it doesn't come close to a theater. Yeah, it's like it's like the difference for me is like the difference between listening to. You might have an awesome hi-fi at home, but but it's the difference is like listening to a record or a CD at home or going to a concert. That's going going to the movies is like going to a concert. Yeah, right. And it's interesting to hear someone having a fandom, you know, over you know. This like the quality of the sound. Like obviously, as an average movie goer, I'm not in the industry, and you know, I go for storyline. That's what I focus on mainly. But it's it's nice to hear, you know, that there's a perspective that I never really thought about. So you know, you go, oh yeah, the movie was fine. But to focus on some sound creators, what are some other like things you've nerded out to in terms of sound quality? Uh, other films? Yeah, or shows, or something that you think was a masterpiece. Um, Apart from Requiem for a Dream, but- of course. <laughs> Don't, well, that is that is that is up there um, in terms of the tension it builds. I haven't actually rewatched Requiem for a Dream since becoming a sound professional, so I probably should. Um, uh, probably the, the Dunkirk is is Dunkirk uh, is absolutely incredible, and yep. um, uh, yeah, that that that's that's Dunkirk and Blade Runner twenty forty nine are the two that really that really stand out for me in terms of the sound specifically. Um, uh, once upon a time in Hollywood sounds great. Uh, what, Oh, well, you know, what sounded great was uh watchman. You know, did you ever see that series on Amazon? Yes. I don't know who- um, it was done. I don't know who did it, but the fact that they included like, you know, uh, early 2019, like early 20th century, like African-American. And was it the, the massacre at, um, Starts with a T. Tulsa, uh, was it? Tulsa, the Tulsa Massacre. And, you know, to, to talk about, like, to reinvent these characters and to 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 put them in, because I love the Watchmen series and the movie as well. I um, I thought it was quite cinematic. Zack Snodder is a really good uh, visual storyteller and he makes a really great, like, a really story-driven, great-looking film. I mean, just like the Snyder Cut as well for Justice League, it's... It's look, look. It's like looking at a panel for panel shot of a of a comic book, and um, you know the way that they did the series, um, in my opinion, was brilliant, and it won all sorts of accolades. It won Oscars and whatever else, I think. And um, how about that? How about how they killed Doctor Manhattan? Spoiler alert! Um, I thought that was quite engaging and quite sad at the same time. The whole series. Um, I said before. I said earlier that. Features have a level of detail and um, production values that TV hasn't quite got to yet, mm-hmm. um, um, and and that's the that's a that's a product of the time and the auteur nature of film as well, um, and and just the fact that you mix a film in a big big room, and you don't necessarily mix a TV show in such a big room, and and you don't have those. Um, uh, you don't have all of that infrastructure around you, but Watchmen, um, the production values on Watchmen from from the cinematography to the performances to 
the editing, the pit, the film editing on Watchmen is just incredible, and the sound was really, really fucking good. I was blown away. I think that was one of the closest to feature level production values I've ever seen from a TV series, and um, and yeah, very, very impressive. Yeah, do you think going forward, like you know, you've got your HBOs, your your Disney's. Um these sort of mobs that are doing they're throwing all the money at television i mean you just got to look at the three marvel cinematic universe series come out uh captain america sorry the falcon winter soldier wandavision uh loki you know he got thrown these movie budget at a television show do you think that's the way of the future the way Uh... things are going like in terms of like the way entertainment seemingly seems to be going for like you know you can stream on demand kind of thing do you think that's the industry's slowly going into that way or do you think majority will always be going to the cinemas um i think yeah i look i think i think um uh i i think cinema will always be a thing but i do think that streaming will will impact it pretty significantly um i don't know if i do think Film, film and episodic TV are two different kind of art forms as well. So there will always yeah. be a little bit of a delineation between them yeah. um, because you can tell a longer story with a TV series, but film, the, the, there's something about the um, concise nature of it, which, which is, which is um, appealing in itself. Uh, I don't know. I don't know where the industry is going, man. Um uh, it's it, it's probably um, my concern, uh, which is probably a long term concern, is 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 I would hope that, um, and I think the artists. Sorry, so I, my my concern would be that the way that films and TV shows are greenlit will increasingly become more algorithmically uh, determined as opposed to a human being saying that's a good idea let's make that so more um, more fan service based do you think yeah fan service formulaic to a degree and and not so much artist driven and yes. and 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 taken like i worry that i worry that they'll have they'll have all sorts of formulas and algorithms or whatever that determine what they need to make and and that's how how it'll happen um the thing that i think will will counter that and and is is the indomitable human spirit (laughs) but also just the fact that there will be people who and i say i said before about directors being um incredible people i think there will be filmmakers directors who just have to make a film and and they will make the film however they however they they can you know like with kevin smith clerks he got twenty four thousand dollars and made clerks or all the way to you know taika waititi making boy and hunt for world people and i think there will always be filmmakers that that have a vision and and they make that vision um and i just hope we have access to that and i hope uh i hope that the our tech overlords don't don't trample that too much. It's kind but, of, but but I, I for one welcome our tech overlords. <laughs> Me and, too. 
<laughs> I hope they get their Astra shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I'm looking forward to, to more. Like, it is exciting. There's going to be more and more content. And, um, and, and, yeah. It's got well, what, what a recent one. I'll close out surely, but a recent one, like, uh, example of what you just described from both perspectives is the Snyder Cut for the Justice League. I mean, you had a guy who had his creative vision and he had to stop because I believe it was his daughter that passed away. And, you know, then Joss Whedon come on and put out an absolute visual dumpster fire of a movie. Anyways, so, you know, due to fan demand and, you know, Warner Brothers going, okay, here's the money to fix your original film through sheer will, then this Snyder Cut was willed into existence. So, you know, that's probably one example of where it seems to be happening and, you know, episodic TV as opposed to a movie. You know, I think people, are fan, I'm a fan of movies because they're convenient time-wise. Quite often it's hard to sit down and, and watch, you know, seven or eight hours of a series. You can't just do it every now and then. So, um, and I miss, I do miss the old weekly releases. Like Disney's gone back to it with the last few series, but remember it's I school. love that. I love that they drop they drop an episode a week. Um, the me and my daughter, are big Marvel fans, we we it's part of our um, it's one of the things we do together. And and the uh, the the weekly nature of the episodes that they've done, I, I really I really dig that. Um, and um, the What If series, which is coming out lately, oh, is, is really. Did you watch the latest looks- episode? Yeah, it actually. Oh, I was, so good! It was it was really really good, and it was uh, it was a bit sad as well hearing Chadwick, um, Chadwick Boseman as well yeah. must have voiced that um, before he passed away. Um, it was a great story, and um, and and again the production values in that from the sound and the animation is really really top notch. It's very impressive, very impressive. stunning animation, and you know, yeah. uh, and to incorporate. The sound, like, you know, when you come up with, like, a sound like Cap Shield smashing into the ground that bongs and to have that transitioned over, you know, panel for panel, like, sound-wise and the original cast voice, oh, man, like. Man. They've managed to, Marvel have managed, the MCU, they've managed to be very faith, faithful to the nature of the comics, but very, like, in terms of the character and also the design visually, but the the writing is fucking fantastic. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're really because you know, let's be real. A lot of comics they're very average in terms of the writing, and it's, you know that's why I like you know following the you know if Kevin Smith writes a series or if Garth Ennis writes a series or um I don't know Warren Ellis or whoever the the he's a bit spicy at the moment actually, but uh. <laughs> um, you know, like you, they're they're pretty they're special, but 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 a lot of comics are, are are very very average in terms of their dialogue and 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 story, but Marvel have managed to be really true to the characters and the tone and 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 the the, the story, but really just the writing is just so good. Mm. It's so good. Kevin Feige is amazing. And I then, would love to meet then, Kevin Feige. And then. And then him, his the vision of getting people like Taika Waititi to direct the film, and like real unique auteurs. A lot of people say all oh, Marvel movies are the same. James Gunn, what James Gunn did with this, with um, Guardians Galaxy, James, wow. James Gunn, even even just the idea back in the day of getting Kenneth Branagh 
to direct the first Thor movie because, and he's known for directing Shakespeare films. So getting the Shakespeare guy to do the first Thor movie was, was really smart. And yeah. then, and then Taika Waititi did Thor and they're real unique auteur filmmakers. And Kate Shawland did a great and amazing job with um, Black Widow. I, I love that. Yeah. Um, I love Black Widow. That's top tier MCU for me. And um. Yeah, the writing and the the it's just well it the blows guys me away. the guys who wrote um sort of Captain America two three and the Infinity movies um, the Russo Marcus, brothers they directed but the writers were Marcus and McFeely oh the right oh and okay were, sorry they were doing Narnia before that yeah cool um you know and then you know Caspian obviously went to shit because they wanted to write it for an older crowd and so like they worked on. I think they did some stints on Community with the Russo brothers. I think that was it. Anyways, but yeah, to like to bring on writers of a Narnia film to then go on to be the highest grossing film of all time in Endgame. It's like who whoever's working in recruitment there, whether it's Kevin himself or one of the other head producers. Very smart. They've um, hired the best writers to, to really, uh, and, and the way that it all interacts with each other Um is it's it's really phenomenal it's a phenomenal achievement it, it um i'm glad it's kicking on but it almost it almost would have been satisfying if it finished with endgame uh but uh but the show must go on people want sequels people want sequels yeah i could honestly i could eat i could chat nerd shit with you all night but it's 11 yeah, it's 11 okay okay I'll, I'll dive into one more thing it'll probably go on another yeah, go tangent. um so my favorite Marvel MCU film, Ragnarok's <laughs> probably number two, but I really resonated with Doctor Strange because, you know, oh, wow. because it was visually stunning and they referenced things like the Eternals. So you got one of the, the staff of one of the Eternals, you've got little Easter eggs and you've got, that was the first sort of real um, ink, like look into the multiverse and, you go back and watch it and little, little, like the little things that you could pop, like would appear and these little Easter eggs that Kevin Feige or whoever was in charge of. Now you take, you know, Dr. Strange was one of my favorite comics as a kid. You take all that and then you look into what's happening now with it, with the TVA and the multiverse is now fucked. And uh, Dr. Strange. Is it fucked or is it free? I don't know. Well, you go, I think it's opening up for for multiversal war. Or is it secret wars? I think it's opening up to, and you know, you've got Wanda who had her own series, and she's going to be one of the main characters in Doctor Strange too. Plus, there's rumors of all Spider Men oh, sure. going to be in the new Spider Man. See Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, Spider Man in the new. I just want I just want Charlie Cox in new Spider Man movie. Yes, well, there's rumors that's going to happen too, and the geniuses. Of bringing back Sam Raimi, who did the Spider-Man trilogy, to come back and direct Doctor Strange too, which is supposed to be a horror theme. So I think, well, I think the genius of that is not necessarily the Spider-Man, but his previous work. Yeah, well, I was like, how does how does this all happen? And to put that little Easter egg, J. Jonah Jameson there, J.K. Simmons with like a modernized J.J. Like instead of like running the Daily Bugle, he's got like this online um, like video blogging sort of YouTube channel. And the end, that little Easter egg at the end of Spider-Man 2, the newer one, uh, Far From Home. Mate, like, how the fuck, Neil? The, the, so the Easter egg at the end of Far From Home, 
was was JJ okay so the connection was JK Simmons who played JJ and Jameson in the original yes. Spider-Man trilogy in the post credit scene when they reveal that he reveals that Spider-Man is Peter Parker that is the same actor who played the original JJ Jameson in the first trilogy right 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 and just just to include shit like that uh, I think is pretty cool and it's rumored that his character will now appear in the second Venom film therefore tying the Sony films back into the MCU as well, just like Spider-Man. That's what yeah, I didn't see first Venom film, but I think um they need to get they need to get Spider-Man involved in that in that series. Um I, I Strange Doctor Strange isn't up there for me. Yeah. Just because um I actually don't know a lot about that character or the Eternals. I don't I know um, fuck all about the Eternals. Um the only kind of the only kind of experience with dr strange is when he turns up in daredevil or something like that um but uh but but you know i i did i dug the movie and i'm looking forward to the second one sam raimi um you know army of darkness like all those movies that's that's where that's where the, his strengths will come in um yeah it's it's got it's all getting a little bit it's all getting a little bit full on um wonder vision one Wanda's super duper powerful. She's easily the most powerful character in the MCU at this stage, surely. You um, have to be. And what what they did with that show, like to make a so like good a horror fantasy thing and have a different sitcom each episode. Like Mar- whatever Marvel does till the day I die, they're going to get my money. <laughs> like, yeah, like, absolutely. Um, yeah. This might be giving birth to a new pop culture podcast. What we're doing right now. This is audio gold. <laughs> well, it's good that, but also, um, I really like that they've they've kind of elevated people like Taika Waititi into kind of a Hollywood powerhouse from this incredible New Zealand filmmaker. And now, not only is he making um, Thor four more Thor, uh, he uh, he's also he, he's able because of the power he's 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 now got from being successful with Thor Ragnarok. Um, making shows like Reservation Dogs, which looks amazing, mm. and 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 those kind of shows are important. And I kind of hope, I kind of hope the that 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 we get that like like with Christopher Nolan when he made the Batman, he made Batman Begins. Then I think it was the Prestige in between, and then he made the Dark Knight. Yeah, and then I he think made, you're right. And then he made another film in between the Dark Knight, and 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 I think that's really like a good and I, I hope that kind of Favreau or whoever like get to do that where they make they make Disney a lot of money with Mandalorian and then they get to make Chef or whatever and and Taika makes a lot of money for Disney with Thor Ragnarok and a great movie um I love Thor Ragnarok um and then gets to make Reservation Dogs or something something important because that those stories are very important because I love the stories that come with comics and it's the hero journey and all that stuff. Yeah. But at the same time, we need, we do need, we do need some more real stories as well. Well, that's what, you know, like there was an episode behind the scenes where they first talk about the first uh, season of the Mandalorian. They sit down with all the directors of each episode and Tyker did an episode and he voiced ID 11 as well. That yeah. like assassin robot. Just he did, like, everything. He did everything, man. Like, He's a free guy. And what's that uh, Jojo Rabbit as well? Like that was another movie he made in recently. Jojo Rabbit's incredible. It's it's an amazing film. I love it. I like and the choices, the choices to make it colorful, and the music choices. Um, because you know a lot of World War Two movies, specifically set in Berlin, 
they're very gray or brown or dark and you know but to make it really green and blue and um and funny <laughs> and funny sam rockwell was so good in that movie he was um, justin hammer himself yeah 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 that's where i i think marvel don't get enough credit for their villains either um i like how they one thing in terms of the casting you know getting jeff bridges in iron man and sam rockwell um uh you know hugo weaving my favorite actor of all time as red skull the 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 marvel villains are underrated and i think they're underrated because the marvel movies generally the antagonists are secondary to the inner conflict of the heroes um whereas in the batman you know the joker is such an iconic villain he is um he's he's almost you know he well he is he's just as important as as the main character yeah and i think that good writing so you take talk about these amazing marvel writers so in in infinity war you really humanize thanos and like you like you give him a backstory well, it's his, his movie infinity yeah. war is thanos's film i think He's the protagonist of Infinity War, and the Avengers are actually the antagonist. Is are his antagonists? You could definitely watch it that way. And yeah, definitely. And the fact that they humanize it, give him a backstory, and when he finally, you know, clicks and whatever, you're like, well, hang on, it makes sense. And it's kind of like, you know, what other another well, that's, that, that, that's that's the scary way. That's the that's the scary accomplishment of their writing. Yeah, is is a lot of people thought Thanos was right. You know, it's you know, like, during well, coronavirus, you'd think I could use a Thanos well, snap right now. <laughs> well, I don't know, maybe, maybe I don't know. Another, it's, uh, and another it's, film, uh, I think they pretty, did that. It's pretty serious. It's a, it's it's pretty it's a pretty full on uh, solution to. Uh, oh, I was a joke. That's what I loved. Yeah, I know, but that's what I loved about that "What If" episode. How how T'Challa managed to convince Thanos that there was another way. How fucking good was that? Yeah, like, so he's got spoilers, you know, taser face, and he's got, and obviously his mate with the mohawk, but Thanos, and he's got yep. like a very, like, a non-metallic, um, Karen Gillan's character. What's her name? Nebula. Uh, Nebula. That's it. Um, and like, just got this band of like random people together, and the the Black Sun group are just security, which I thought was really cool, nice little touch, and. Another film that they sorry I, I was half cutting you off before, Spider Man um, into the multiverse. The, yeah, that was the human story they give the kingpin because he lost his family, um, and those baller motherfuckers killed Spider Man in the first ten minutes. Like, who does yeah. that? Who does that? Yeah. Like, no, well, I mean, th- those guys, those guys, um, those guys are really, uh, and they had a big year that year. They got fired off Solo and then won the uh, Oscar for. Um, Fit into the spider verse. That's right. Yeah. Incredible feats. Um, well, I might wrap it up there and we have to definitely do a, a, a second episode and just talk nerd and shit because legit. Uh, easy. Yeah, I'm 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 I'd be into it. That'd be sick. Could legit talk for hours, but um, you know, in we the probably meantime... need to nail it. We need but if we do a if we do a nerd podcast, we'll have to um have a strict set of uh uh you know parameters of what we're going to talk about otherwise we'll just ramble yeah for three hours. i've also got a third person who would join us i did an episode back in oh about episode 26 uh um i had a 
someone who reads Hollywood scripts and like sometimes reviews films that go to Khan and stuff like that. And uh, she'd really like to join us as well. So perhaps there's an option there too. Yeah, that'd be cool. Turning scenes and stuff like that. But in the meantime, man, thank you so much for the chat. Um, thank you. And I really appreciate your time. And I know I've been bugging you for ages, but it was, <laughs> it was nice to actually sit down. And, Magic round. Yeah, I know. I've been That's like, like a, I've been like That's a piranha great. just gnawing at your feet. Um, yeah. But I appreciate your time, man. And I no worries. Going forward, I hope lockdown gets better for you. And stay in touch. Um, keep yeah, keep, yeah, yeah. keep making yeah, it better. Yeah, I'll still see, I'll see you on the 12, 12 Facebook page. And uh, um, no, it'll be good. Sorry, did I just? I just sorry. I just looked in behind you or right shoulder. Is it a Boba Fett helmet? Yes, it is. Oh man, like see, just like that, I'm back in. <laughs> Let me, uh, yeah. But, Let me but, hang on a sec. This is the way. <laughs> oh, I dropped it. I dropped it. I've got all my toys. Uh, I dropped my Kevin Smith pop, but here's my here's my. Uh, That's Goku, Goku Blue. Goku, yeah, Super see, Saiyan God. I've got five big fandoms: Star Wars. <laughs> Star- I like I love anime, films, series, comics. Obviously, DC is one of them. Star Wars. You're you're quite unique in in um, being a big Zack Snyder fan and also a big MCU fan because one of the things that I find disturbing about back in. modern. Modern modern discourse is the uh, partisanship of Marvel versus DC, and how a lot of people can't seem to enjoy both. Well, it's, you know that's I just comes back to my love for storytelling. It, remember that um, that old El Paso ad? Why not both? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like and, I mean, I really I'm, enjoy. I haven't seen the Suicide Squad yet, but I really enjoy. Right. Uh, Do you know how like ridiculous that sounds? People, like you're either DC or Marvel. You're not going to go, oh fuck, I like Paramount, not Universal, are you? Like, or something nah. ridiculous like that. Um, yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. I just think that personal preference. I've always enjoyed the DC comics more. Always read Marvel. Always read Variant. Always read um, like Mad Mag Mad Magazine as well. Like I just. But yeah, I, I grew just, up on Mad. Did you? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I know. I, there's some movies that I think I've seen, but I hadn't seen. I actually read the Mad parody of them. I never really got. I never deep dove into it. Um, oh yeah, I collected all the Mad magazines. Archie comics as well. I remember delving into a little bit as a kid. Asterix. Um, not Asterix or Asterix or Tintin. You can only pick one. Oh, I think it has to be Tintin. Off. <laughs> and that's the episode. Yeah. <laughs> I think actually there's a guy who I could introduce you to. I did an episode with a guy, um, Anthony Pollock. He runs like a I guess you call it a, a pop culture empire here in, in Newcastle. He's got this website called Soda and Telepaths, and he started just reviewing um like new comic issues and shows, and now he's got 13 staff writing for him, and because he was a wow. marketing expert. He's going to sit back and do the occasional review. And now he's putting out his own content. Within three years, um, he's a, he's achieved an empire and all he it just started out as a fandom. Like maybe I'll have to get him on for the podcast for the pop culture episode too. He, um, yeah, cool. And like you're just doing stuff that you enjoy, like this podcast, you get to speak to um people that you resonate with. So the fact that, you know, I'm a fan of what you've what you're achieving and I'm, you know. 
anyone who works in the entertainment industry for me is straight away. Oh, well, we like, connected through we connected through rugby league and through a love, up, yeah. And ended then, up talking mostly about um, comics, comics and shit guts. Um, mind the pun. And like it's sorry, I've, I've tended off again. Five fandoms: Star Wars, DC Comics, probably the MCU films are a preference over the DC films for me. Anime, but my favorite anime is Dragon Ball Z and Super. And probably the last one, Lord of the Rings. I think the trilogy, Lord of the Rings, was. Oh, cool. You're looking forward to the uh, Amazon series? Yes. And I believe most of the original cast are coming back. Yeah, uh, right. I don't know if it's. No. A, it's is it a, so like Aragon was 86 at the time that the movies come out. So he might dead. he might be on after. Oh, no, Aragon's not dead. Uh, so is it based? Saruman's dead. Saruman's dead. Yeah, Chris, Chris, Christopher Lee. He's 94 when he died. And he was in. I respect anyone who goes from Lord of the Rings to Star Wars. Um, you know, or anyone who's de- who's delved into those various loves and what. Yeah, count. And I've de- deep dove into like the series, like. Clone Wars and Rebels and Red Comics. Count Dooku. You know who else I love? Dave <laughs> Filoni. Dave Filoni is the Kevin Feige of the Star Wars universe. And oh, he, is he? he made so he's made, oh, he made all the Clone Wars and, and then the Mandalorian with uh Favreau. Huh? Yeah, and he one of the characters he introduced was Ahsoka Tano, which yeah, was yeah, yeah. Anakin Skywalker's apprentice. And like yeah, yeah. like he made the prequels relevant again. Yeah. Just through his stereo story. And he did he come from Avatar, Legend of Aang, another good series. Like, fuck, you see how deep this well goes? Oh, it's just, it's just, uh, it's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. This I'd love all, to. I, this is I'd almost a two-hour chat, man. This is great. Yeah. Yeah, those, those, John Favreau is, is incredible. And, uh, and Dave, yeah, Filoni is absolutely, they absolutely knocked out, knocked it out of the park with uh, Mandalorian, so. Yep, and. The man started the MCU with Iron Man. Like, like yeah, exactly. Are you serious? What a talented guy! Like, fucking hell. Oh. Jeff is a great movie too. If you get a chance, my name Jeff. Chef. Oh, Chef. I thought you said Jeff. No, there's a film called Chef that John Favreau uh, directed and stars in, and it's just about a guy who creates a sandwich truck, makes a sandwich truck, and and drives across America, and it's a really beautiful film. All right, I'll check it out. But for now, I'll um I'll say thank you, and I'll make sure to include you know just a list of your bona fides and in your Insta as well, so people can check you out what you're working on and keep up to date with you. But um you know what, man, I had a great chat. Um you know yeah, how to so show you know how to show oh. Mitch a good time. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and to all, if the Twillies listen to this, if you stuck around this long, thank you very much. And Glenn's still a dickhead. <laughs> oh, Glenn's a legend. Glenn's a lovely guy. Ah, uh, he um. You can't let him have the last laugh. He got stuck into me. So um, <laughs> thanks, man. I really appreciate your time and I'll uh, catch you all in the next one. Bye for now.